Madge and Pansy. Part 2 A magical talking unicorn took a long sniff of Madge's face. Luckily, her face was hidden under her big white hat for traveling. But Madge felt the stinky magical talking unicorn breath, and she woke up and looked into the magical talking unicorn's big wet eye. Ah! she shouted. She thought the magical talking unicorn was a horse, and she was afraid that the horse would step on her since she was just laying there in the field. Ah! spoke the magical talking unicorn. It flung its head up and jumped backwards and then pranced around for a moment as if something had bitten it on the foot. Madge sat up and the hat fell off her face. She elbowed Pansy to wake wake her and Pansy sat up. There were red streaks on Pansy's face that were shaped like the grass. Pansy looked at the horse and cried out, It's a magical talking unicorn! And Madge saw that it was. The unicorn looked like a horse, but it was glossier. Its hair was a lustrous white pearl color, and on its head a delicate horn twisted around and around, shimmering with all sorts of bright colors and shooting beams of bright color through the air. It stopped jumping around as if it had been bitten and looked at them with one big wet eye. "'What are you doing sleeping in the grass?' it asked them, in a horsey sort of voice. "'Aren't you afraid of getting damp? "'You know, if you sleep outside in the open air, water will condense all over you.' "'The magical talking unicorn gave a huff. "'We don't have a house to sleep in,' said Madge, a little sadly. "'Oh, I understand completely,' said the unicorn. "'You don't have a house?' asked Pansy. They had indeed gotten damp, but had slept in late, and the sun had dried them again. Me? Of course I have a house. And the unicorn laughed, tossing its long hair and showing its big white teeth. Ha ha! It's my cat! And the unicorn pointed to with its long horn to the edge of the field, where a small gray cat lay in the morning sun, watching them. My cat doesn't have a house. Every night, she sleeps outside, and the dew condenses all over her and the wind chills her pink little nose, and her fur shimmers in the moonlight. And the unicorn tossed its hair again. If only she had a little house to sleep in, to keep the dew off. Madge pulled the foam cat house from the grass. She had used it as a pillow. We have a house you can have, she said. She walked over to the magical talking unicorn and held up the foam house. We brought it very, very far. We were hoping to go farther, but this is as far as we got, and you can have it. Fantastic, cried the unicorn, and Madge set the foam house in the grass at its feet. The cat watched, bored. What are you doing in this meadow, anyhow? asked Madge. Did you travel far? Not very far, said the unicorn. I came here. I come here to eat the blackberries. They're so sweet, and there are so many of them. In my country, we don't have invasive species. There's nothing like this. I come alone. I don't tell the other unicorns about this meadow. If they came here, they would eat all the berries, and there would be none left for me. I bring my cat so I don't get lonely. The unicorn looked over at the small gray cat. Cats don't eat many berries. Oh, said the unicorn. I want to go home now. I want to show all the other unicorns the house for my cat. The unicorn looked down at Madge. Please, will you place the house on my back so I can carry it? Madge reached way up and slid the house onto the unicorn's back. It immediately fell off the other side. 
The unicorn stamped its feet. Oh, no, it said. I should have brought my baskets. I have no way to carry this house. The cat, the cat, she rides on my back. But how to carry a house, I don't know. Where are you going home to? asked Pansy. She had gotten up and put away all of her thing, their things, and was picking at her teeth with a stick she had found. I'm going to a fa- But the unicorn stopped short and looked at them. Why? Because we could help you, said Madge. We could ride on your back and hold the house. We could leave our bicycle here next to this log, and we could go with you to your home, wherever it is. The unicorn nodded. Yes, that makes sense. And then I can show all the other unicorns my new cat house, and they'll be so jealous. Do the other unicorns have cats? asked Pansy. No, just me. And then, oh, come on, let's go. Madge and Pansy grinned at each other. They filled their arms with things, tossed their some grass over the bike, and used the log as a stool to step up over the magical talking unicorn's back. Neither of them had ever been on a unicorn before. They felt its warm muscles under their legs, and its hair was slippery like velvet. Its mane was knotted and coarse, and Pansy grasped fistfuls of it and leaned in close to its neck. She turned and whispered to Madge, The unicorn's mane smells like strawberry soap. The cat trotted over and hopped easily onto the unicorn's back and once aboard, climbed delicately into the cat house that Madge held in her lap, curling into a ball inside. Madge wrapped her arms around Pansy and the cat house and they waited excitedly. Would the unicorn fly? Did unicorns fly? Was this magical talking flying unicorn? The unicorn didn't fly. But it ran. It ran very, very fast, crying, Hold on tight! And then pushing its strong legs against the earth and sprinting forward into the bright light of late morning. Bouncing at first and jarring with its heavy muscles and then beginning to flow across the grass like a mudslide. Soon they were at the road and they were across it. And then they were soaring over the meadows and through the high, straight forest and Madge felt like they were flying. They were like flying six feet above the soil. The open woods and gentle meadows went by faster and faster until it was all just a dizzying blur of green and bright sun and shadow, and Madge couldn't look on it, look at it anymore. She had hid her face in Pansy's back, and they held on tight, the warm wind rushing into their nostrils and flinging dust into their hair. After some length of time, the unicorn slowed and they looked up. And what they saw before them made them forget the dust, forget the wind, forget the bus ride and the cold, lonely night, made them forget their hunger and their weariness. What they saw was so brilliant and wonderful that all they could do was open their mouths and take deep breaths of sweet air and blink their eyes. They were galloping lightly on the crest of a small hill, and down in a valley close below them lay a series of rambling, curving walls, and set among the walls were fruit trees and stretches of pasture and slender streets that wound past small, uneven houses and around clear pools of water that reflected the vivid sky, and here and there bright flags flapped in the wind, or gleams like tinsel and tall towers reached up towards the heavens, and the towers were set all around with windows of plum-colored glass and topped with sun-drenched gardens. They galloped closer, and soon they could see the whole city. The walls, roads, and towers were built of the gentlest rose-colored stone. 
A gust of wind blew up from the city, bringing with it a swarm smell of nutmeg. They trotted to the bottom of a hill and approached a break in the wall and slowed. In front of them stretched an olive-colored banner, and on the banner, written in a script of the brightest gold, were the words, Slow and steady wins the race. The unicorn trotted to a stop, and Madge and Pansy dismounted, open-mouthed in awe. They carried their things in their arms and walked slowly through the break in the wall, and just past it, green pastures stretched out before them, thick with wildflowers all in bloom, and there was a smooth stone road, and on either side of the road there were two tall flagpoles, and on each flagpole was a long flag, one milk-colored and the other the color of the sky. Pansy stood for a moment, and then she could see that they both had words on them, and that one of them said, No thing can be everything. And on the other one was written, The ordinary is extraordinary. All in the most flowery golden script. Wow! cried Madge, who was spinning around, staring at everything around them, clutching the accordion and the cat house to her chest. What is this place? This is my home, said the unicorn. The cat had jumped to the ground, and now it stretched and then trotted a bit down the road, pausing to look back at them. I live here. Pansy turned and touched the stone wall. The stone was warm, though it was in the shade, and felt smooth and soft under her fingers. She looked ahead and saw that a party of unicorns was coming to meet them, sharp hooves clacking, candy-colored manes flying in the wind. "'Is it always windy here?' asked Pansy, looking up at their unicorn. "'Always,' said the unicorn. "'It is important that our flags constantly flap, and our manes constantly flutter, and the smell of nutmeg always fills the air. It reminds us that we are alive, and it keeps the flies off.' The group of unicorns neared them and slowed to a halt and looked down at them with wet, gentle eyes. "'You have traveled far,' said one with a shocking orange mane and a big pink spot over its eye. "'You must be hungry,' said another. This one colored a deep chestnut brown all over except for its horn, which was magenta and sparkled. There was a third. This one had a blue neck and a purple trunk and black legs, and a mane that was silver like Christmas tinsel. Madge and Pansy could only nod, so overwhelmed were they with the beauty of the unicorns and the bright sunlight on the wildflowers and the great flapping nutmeg wind. "'Come with us,' said the unicorn with the black legs and purple trunk and tinsel mane, and unicorns turned and walked down the smooth stone road towards a smooth stone tower which was set all round with plum-colored glass. Madge and Pansy rushed after them, carrying their things in their arms, leaving the cat house behind for the first unicorn, who was knee-deep in wildflowers, contentedly munching clover. They entered the tower, and inside it was big and open, with soft purple light spilling in through the windows, and the floor was stone grown all over with moss, and flowering vines climbed up and down the smooth walls. There was a warm, crackling fire and an enormous fireplace that was set back into the wall, and hanging over the fire was a heavy black cauldron from which rose the most delicious steam. The unicorn with the sparkling magenta horn motioned them for them to sit on the ancient stumps of enormous fir trees, 
which were arranged around a small wooden table. They sat gratefully at the enormous chairs and saw that on the table was a piece of heavy paper, and on the paper was a menu. Dinner, said the unicorn, and this is what the paper said. Butternut squash soup, salad of lamb's quarters, kale, edible flowers, delicious meatloaf, french fries, and pie. Wow, cried Madge wearily. It was more wonderful than anything she could have dreamed. And now that she was sinning, her hunger came rushing down on her like a feral cat. Pansy suddenly remembered her hunger, too, and as she remembered how little they had eaten in the past few days, the unicorn with the sparkly horn ladled bowls of creamy orange soup and set the bowls in front of them, along with a plate of fresh, crusty, gluten-free bread. Unicorns are terribly sensitive to gluten. They ate the soup in big slurping mouthfuls, and next came the salad, which tasted of vinegar in springtime and the delicate sugar of flowers. And then came the meatloaf, which was rich and savory, and the french fries, which are crispy and just right. And last was the pie. And it was just an ordinary piece of pie. And by this time, the two were so full, they could hardly appreciate it, much less finish every bite. The unicorn stood watching them with its gentle wet eyes, and when they were finished, it cleared the plates away and motioned with its nose to a pile of cushions that lay next to the fire in a sack of thick velour blankets, meaning that they, could, they should curl up there on the cushions and maybe not. Blearily full, they stumbled over to the cushions and collapsed into their deep softness, pulling the blankets up around them and, dazed, and gazing into the softly crackling fire. The unicorn settled down across the hearth, its knees folded neatly on a tasseled pillow, and watched them, curiously and with a look of heavy contemplation. Pansy turned away to stare at the fire, but she could feel the unicorn's dark eyes like warm stones resting on her back, and at last she sat up and turned and asked the unicorn if it was thinking about anything in particular, and if so, what? "'I was only thinking,' said the unicorn, that tomorrow, when you two shed your human forms and become great glittering unicorns like us, I, I was only wondering what, what colors you might turn out to be. It's always a surprise, and you never can know in advance. Sometimes we place bets. Become a unicorn, said Madge with an alarm, suddenly sitting, sitting very upright in soft pillows. Who said anything about becoming a unicorn? The unicorn stared at them, surprised. Well, of course you become a unicorn, silly. How else would you live in this place? This majestic, shimmering land? This fantastic city? Unicorns, asked Pansy, shocked. We have to become unicorns? And what if we don't want to become unicorns? What, what, what happens then? The unicorn blinked its wet, dark eyes, surprised. If you don't want to become unicorns, you cannot stay here. You can only stay in this fantastical city if you are an equally fantastical creature. You cannot live here in your human mortal body. If you do not become a unicorn, then you cannot stay. The unicorn huffed and tossed its mane a little in the firelight. <laughs> what did you expect? What did I expect? mumbled Madge, mostly to herself. Her eyes were looking down at the blanket in her lap, and her hand was absent-mindedly tugging at her hair. 
What did I expect? Pansy was quiet, too, and looked at the palms of her hands. They were still with their thoughts and a new sort of feeling, a feeling they, that they couldn't quite describe, something akin to disappointment. The unicorn saw their sadness and shifted a leg on the tasseled pillow, uncomfortable. There, there, said the unicorn. It's, it's not so bad. You'll like being a unicorn. I, I like it. The sun is most always shining. The nutmeg wind is blowing. There's plenty of clover. The days pass with their own slow current. There's no sense of urgency here. No great crisis to live through or overcome. Only sweet, lovely unicornness and lots of prancing. Pansy still stared at her hands, deep in thought. She did like prancing. And the nutmeg wind was nice, the way it kept those inspirational banners flapping in the wind. And the warm, rose-colored stones and the nice-tasting soup. Madge was also thinking hard, staring off at nothing, hand pulling at her hair. She was reliving a memory from childhood, standing at the bus stop in the early morning dark, fishing around in her pocket for dimes. The gutters were filled with clumps of gray snow. The sky shot with stars. The air smelled of exhaust in early springtime. The bus came. Its doors opened, and she climbed aboard to go to school. Long moments passed, and the two were still undecided. They'd worked so hard to find this place, thought Pansy. They traveled so far. There had been a moment in their travels when they had almost ceased to believe that it had even existed. And now what? The unicorn watched them, infinite patience etched on its face. By and by it spoke, nodding at the pillows and the gentle popping fire. You could sleep on it, said the unicorn. You could sleep and maybe the answer will come to you in your dreams. Or maybe you're too tired to come to a decision, and in the morning your thoughts will be clearer. That's a great idea, said Pansy, yawning. It was a terrifically hard decision to make, especially feeling as tired as she did. Madge nodded agreement, and the two lay back in the nest of pillows, pulling the thick velour blankets around them. The unicorn stretched its neck out on the cool stone hearth and watched the fire. Madge and Pansy slept. Pansy woke first, as usual, to the deafening racket of birds. The blackberry brambles that surrounded the meadow seemed to be thick with them, and they flipped to and fro, moving sticks and running errands, shouting at each other. The sun had been up, it seemed, for several hours, and the morning was was starting to warm. Any haze had lifted, and the dew on the grass had returned to the atmosphere, come and gone in the night like a ghost. And then Pansy remembered the unicorns. The wall, the tinsel, the plum-colored glass, the city. They had found the city. Pansy sat up with a start, knocking to the grass the sweater she'd used as a blanket. She looked around frantically. There were only the birds, some yellow grass on her bicycle, resting on the other side of the stump they'd slept against. There was no unicorn, no nutmeg wind, no clover. Oh, no, she cried, and Madge woke with a start. The meadow rushing into her senses like water through a porthole. What is it? she asked, groggily, alarmed. The unicorns, cried Pansy. The magical talking unicorns. We've lost them. Madge gasped. The unicorns? 
What had happened to the city? And why were they back in this meadow? How had they gotten here? Surely they hadn't been carried on the back of the unicorn with a cat. All that motion would have woken them up. I, I just don't understand it, Pansy was saying. We hadn't even made our decision, and now we may never get another chance. Oh, wherever will we find that unicorn that likes to eat the blackberries? However will we find the city again? Where are we even? As Madge sat up in the morning light, listening to Pansy, a dream began, dream began to come back to her, like an old Polaroid photograph that takes a few minutes to develop. In the dream, she was walking through the forest on a narrow trail, and a rounded fog hung in the trees like cotton batting, and lichens stretched from the branches like cobwebs. She was walking with the unicorn, the one who had sat with them the night before, the one with the deep chestnut body and sparkling magenta horn. They were walking through the forest together, and now and then there was a break in the trees, and through the break Madge could see a great and sprawling city, gray and dark and shadowed, and in the distance something that loomed on the horizon like thunderclouds. The unicorn was leading her somewhere, somewhere safe, somewhere far away from the city, but she didn't want to go. At last she stopped and faced the unicorn in a quiet, mossy clearing, a neutral place, a spot between here and there. "'It's all I have,' said Madge in her dream to the dream unicorn. The unicorn tilted its great, glittering horn and pointed down the path into the quiet woods. Madge shook her head. "'It's all I have,' she said again. The unicorn blinked its wet eyes, saying nothing. Madge turned and looked through the trees at the sprawling city in the distance. It's mine, she said. And when she turned around, the unicorn was gone.